Hey, this is Barbara Gustafson, owner of Discover Next Step. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show. Leadership is changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people. But everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey, listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And if you haven't already checked out the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, go ahead and check out that group. It's a wonderful group. And if you're on LinkedIn, check out the LinkedIn page, Leadership is Changing. I have a wonderful guest with me today. Her name is Barbara Gustafson, and uh, Barbara is the owner of Discover Next Step, and she trains and equips others to develop new ways to think, respond, engage, and lead so they can unleash their inner bold and create a positive impact. She combines personal growth, leadership, and brain-based techniques so her clients can work more efficiently. Barbara is a certified leadership trainer and an Amen clinic brain health coach and author of permission to be bold and co-author of breaking average she loves being in nature whenever she can and you can often find her in her kayak or hanging out with her rescue dogs and horse barbara a big welcome to you to the show thank you so much dennis it is great to have this conversation with you yeah wonderful so you're in uh in in the u.s right now and um your seasons and 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 my season are a little bit different from different parts of the world. We're in summer, and so I'm sitting here a little bit sweating a little bit, and you are in winter. Is that right? Yes, I'm slightly jealous, Dennis, just because it is cold. It's a little dreary and rainy today. I'm much rather be in warm temperatures in my kayak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Oh, yeah, true. In the kayak, yeah. <laughs> Hey, so if I've done an introduction about you, is there anything else around your background that would be quite interesting to our listeners? Anything else you'd like to share? Yeah, so I'm a native Virginian. I'm about an hour south of D.C. I'm originally from Norfolk area and Hampton Roads area, so I've always been in this area. Um, but one of the things I love is the four seasons that we have. But my, my mm. background, I wasn't expecting it to go this way. But in my early 20s, I became a financial analyst for an amazing boss who ended up becoming my father-in-law. And I was a government contractor in D.C. I did that crazy commute. Literally, I was a about three hours on the road every day. And I supported the Navy and then later on the Marine Corps. And I did it on the foreign military sales program. So and this is, think of it as a different kind of financial position. It's not like crunching numbers all the time, what we think is finance or banking, but it was more liquidating unused 
funds from really old and dusty contracts that were in warehouses so they could turn around and use them for other projects. Um, and I was also responsible for making sure items on the programs that were ordered got to their destination and the contract correctly closed. So that's a little bit about my background. Excellent. You've got some rescue dogs. How, how many do you have? Yes, yeah, so I have two lab rescues. Um, they're they're kind of spoiled. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. last year I rescued a horse. He's amazing. I've always wanted a horse and never thought I would actually have one. But he's he's kind of been my therapy horse during COVID. That's excellent, Barbara. And and tell me, so how did you get into leadership? Yes, it was unexpected. And when it happened, I had taken a year off my current role to homeschool my youngest son. He had been struggling at school. We had tried just about everything. We tried public school, private school, and he, it was a situation he was highly intelligent, but for some reason he had a learning gap. So I opted to teach him at home. And honestly, it was the first time I had been out of that long DC commute. And I started to take a long, hard look at my life. And I asked myself if I wanted to go back to what I was doing. And it was a great paycheck but it was not internally fulfilling for me. And one of my values, it's ironic because one of my values is peace. And one of the programs I was working for was a missile program. So tell me if that isn't misaligned or, <laughs> or not. So I opted not to go back to my current position. It was probably the scariest step I had ever taken. But I always wondered if there was something more to life. And about that time, my husband had joined a leadership development organization to grow his own leadership. And I just decided to be part of it, mostly because he was meeting some pretty awesome people. In fact, that's where I met you, Dennis. And I decided, you know, until I figured out a new path, I would focus on developing my leadership and communication skills. And I fell in love with coaching and realized I was already using those skills. And I naturally love to listen and ask questions. So it, it made perfect sense to me. Yeah, wonderful. And yeah, it was great. I mean, we, I think, I don't know, it's probably what, eight, nine years ago is when we met? Yes, I believe. Yeah, fun. yeah fantastic. Barbara, um, well, so this person can be alive or from history. Uh, and the question here is, who, who's your favorite leader and why? Yeah. So there, there's many people that I admire out there, and we could probably spend a couple hours talking. But I have to say in recent years, it's been Dr. Daniel Amen. He's a brain specialist and the double board psychologist. And I think of him as sort of a maverick in his field, because uh, he doesn't just view brain health as physical, but as part of everything we do, uh, to the point where his lens is brains run the world. They run the stock market, businesses, churches, government. And if our brain is healthy and working right, we're likely to be successful. And if it's not working as well, it impacts our decisions, our focus, our relationship, judgment, and character. So he's on this mission to create a brain health revolution to empower leaders so they can have greater success. And And I was struggling in the areas of focus and attention, and he ended, to, ended up impacting my brain. And so I was able to experience that at a personal level so I can do my own stuff greater. And that's why you're now uh, an Amin uh, Clinic brain health coach. Is that right? 
yes, I decided to tie in the personal development, leadership and brain health, because there's so many things that we can do that are brain based to make our life and our work a little bit easier. Yeah, excellent. You, you and, and my partner, Mary, should get together and have a good chat because uh, she's been doing a master's in neuroscience and uh, she's known as the mm. neuro change coach. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, for you two to catch up for sure. So yeah, great. Yeah, that's a great example of, uh, of somebody who's the brain runs the world. I like that. That's, that's fantastic. Hey, the show here is called Leadership is Changing. And when I say that statement or the title of the show, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's such an important topic anytime, especially now. I I feel like for me, that means that I need to be in tune with what is changing. And not only what is changing, but how am I going to respond to those changes? Because if I wait and do nothing, I'm not meeting the need and demand out there. Uh, there's a term I've been hearing more often, and it's called cognitive flexibility. And it's the ability to be flexible to the change, what you're thinking about, how you're thinking about it, and even what you think about it. In other words, it's the ability to change your mind, but also your approaches. And cognitive flexibility is required in many, many ways throughout the workday and in leadership. Yep. Okay. So that's it's really important. I mean, the brain is so powerful and then the brain is also so important in the sense that we as leaders we've all got brains um and so we need to use them but also understand where we're at with things at times and i like what you say there in relation to actually the way that we respond to change and the way we do it because barbara what i talk about is that you know there is a lot of things that are happening and change and it's out of our control but there are two things that are in our control one is our attitude and the way we react to it so that's what you're talking about and number two would be where we are going next and uh, i think they're really important things for for us to talk about so i really like what you just shared there yes and and what they found is leaders who do exhibit this cognitive flexibility strength they can handle those transitions more easily. Not that they're easy, but they can move through them. They can shift between tasks a little bit more in stride and apply learning in one area for greater problem solving. And, and would they also be able to, uh, there's that, that word out there, adapt, pivot, whatever you want to call it, are they able to do that quicker than others? Uh, yes, and, and they have a different view. And so they can apply this to decision making and as well as communication within a team, but also transfer those skills and help them become more aware of how to be more flexible. Okay, that's, uh, that's great to know. So how has your business or industry changed and, and what demands has that been putting on you? Yeah, so my business has gone from focusing on strategy and mindset. I've always done that. It's more focused now on helping people manage their emotions. We've kind of, the people I've been working have kind of gone a little bit more basic level. Um, so helping them implementing easy brain-based based techniques throughout their day to help them maintain their energy. A friend of mine, um, Bonnie St. John, she's a Paralympic and she wrote the book Micro Resilience. I really love how she puts this. It's giving ourselves pockets of fuel. It's not going an all or nothing speed, but doing little things throughout the day to help us with emotions, but also energy, decision-making and productivity. Excellent. What's the name of the book again, please? The title? Micro Resilience. 
I can't remember the subtitle, but it's, it's something that she wrote, I think three years ago, but it's even more relevant now. Yeah. Fantastic. I remember years ago, I read a book and I, I talked to people about it. It's called the power of full engagement. And it talks about our energy tanks, but it also talks about those. I mean, we, we can't always be on. And I think, Barbara, I don't know about whether you're experiencing that or seeing with leaders with this as well. I see leaders are always on. They're on their phone. They're just turned on, switched on. They're always on their game. They may not be on the game. In other words, they may not be performing well, but it's always an on situation. Do you see that with leaders? And how do, how do you respond to that? Absolutely. I think that's something that has been modeled and taught us early on. And in our society, I don't know if it's like where you are, but we are valued and encouraged to burn the midnight oil, to always have the gas pedal on. And we get a lot done. And I don't know much about cars, but I, I picture, you know, leaders as being this amazing Ferrari, bright red, because I like red Ferraris. And it has this enormous capability, but if we aren't maintaining it, if we aren't checking the oil or or even just maintenance on it, that Ferrari can go and go and go at massive speeds for a really long time, but there comes a point where it taps out. And the idea is you don't want to wait until there's nothing left. If we are able to shift our paradigm and able to give ourselves small moments of being able to maintain or refill ourselves, we aren't left with this completely empty feeling or burnout state. Yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. And I mean, it's, you could tell, think about the, the oil that goes into the car, uh, the lubricants and all the joints of the car. You could think about the, the petrol or the uh, gasoline, as you would call it in your parts of the world, that go into the car. You know, you could put in there things like dirty oil. You could put in there things like dirty gasoline, things like that. But if it's not of high quality, and if it's not pure, and if it's not something like that, then the car will still drive, but it won't be performing at the at the capability, as you said, is the capability that it could go to. And I think it's really important that even as human beings, as leaders, we look after ourselves. And that's part of our show. It's not just about executive excellence. It's also about our personal well-being. And I think personal well-being comes down to the fact of what we think is what we become. Mm-hmm. And... And I think what you're saying there is 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 really 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 great analogy about that Ferrari car. Yes, I love the way you put that, the dirty gas and oil. And and the thing that comes to me is we know that self-care is important. I almost don't like the phrase self-care because we tend to put that last on the list. I look at it as self-management. We would manage our team, you know, to the fullest, but we don't necessarily do that for ourselves. But if we manage ourselves first think of how much better we can manage other people, other situations. So it really does require us to almost trick our brains into thinking differently than common phrases that we use every day, just so it gets us out of that old pattern of thinking and helps us think in new terms. And it is pretty easy for us to turn around and go, ah, it'll be all right. I'll, I'll just get onto it later. But we don't tend to get onto it later. Do you see many people sort of what I use the word is fob off or push to the side or just dismiss things and leave it to later, but it never happens. Do you notice that at all? 
Absolutely. And I've done it myself. And it's one of those things that sometimes we don't pay attention till we have to. Um, mm. For me, I've had to make myself my most important client um, due to health reasons. And about five years ago, I decided to start taking, I schedule this in advance at the beginning of the year. Every month I get away and have a business self-retreat, um, whether it's just to rest or recuperate. But most of the time I end up, those were my greatest ideas come from. But when I get out of my own four walls, something magical happens. Um, things come much more quickly, but I also feel it if I skip a month. Like I don't really notice until I skip one or two. I'm like, oh, I need to get away. So I've had to really put myself up on the list for some people that might seem selfish. I've come to view it as non-negotiable now. Wow. So, so what do you call those sessions? You get away to, what, how do you, how would you title those, those kind of things that you do for yourself? Yeah. So uh, I call it a self-retreat, but I, it's kind of like my entrepreneur reset just to hit the reset button. Cause if take a computer, you know, sometimes you're running lots of programs and it starts to get kind of sluggish. And then you realize you have to clear the cache. You don't yes. see it, but you have to almost do this reboot reset. And when you do, you're like, oh, now it's running a little bit more. Now I know what's going on. So that provides me a time to clear my own cache, if you will. Yeah, great, great analogy. Great way of saying it as well, for sure. Because I mean, I think even if I look at my mobile phone and at times I think, oh, it's a bit slow, but then I realize I've got, I don't know how many apps on it open. So then I have to shut those down and it comes right. So there's a great example. So you schedule something like that every month. When you say every month, how long do you go away for? Is it a day, two days, a week? How long do you have away? Yes. So pre-pandemic, it was overnight, sometimes a full weekend. Uh, now it's for an afternoon. I am fortunate. I have a friend who has a cute little cabin on her property. So I go and hide up. I'm literally off the grid. Like I can't get internet. So I'm kind of forced to do other mm. things. I realize people, many people don't have that luxury of getting away. Um, the way I view it is even if you can start really small, five minutes a day, that's better than nothing. But if you create a habit for yourself, five minutes a day and maybe half hour once a week, the idea is do something um, because we tend to take this all or nothing approach, which yep. does nobody any good. So some is better than nothing. And then when you're able to increase that time, do so. Yeah, good. And I think the other thing too, Barbara, would be the consistency. If you're going to do it, do it every month. As you said, if you do skip a month, you don't feel right. I mean, it's not just the fact that you're not got away, but also probably mentally, we're also feeling probably a little bit of a guilt that we haven't gone that, done that. And so then that starts to play on our subconscious as well. Yes, I didn't think about that. That's a really good point. Um, and, and the idea is sometimes we do place self-judgment on ourselves, either for getting away because we need, because we think uh, we need to be taking care of everyone. And then sometimes we feel guilty because we don't do it because there's a part of us that knows that we will operate better when we give that to ourselves. So the idea is not an either or you know, taking care of us or them, but it's taking care of you too, putting yourself back into the equation. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that's great. So it's almost like a rescue dog. In other words, you're rescuing yourself in the sense that you're having to do that once a month. I, I think, uh, Barbara, that there's a, people say to me, oh, what's your avatar? In other words, who's your ideal client? And I talk about a guy called David, 38 years of age, two kids, 
80 plus hours a week. So he's burning that midnight oil, as you said. And he, here he was, you know, he's doing some stupid hours and he's really, really stressed and overwhelmed. And at times, you know, the kids didn't even know who their dad was. And here he was wanting to leave the office once a week on a Thursday at 4 p.m. in the afternoon to go and watch his kids do one hour's worth of swimming. And he felt guilty and mm-hmm. actually leaving the office. And I think what you're saying as well is about, it's not just about not going ahead and doing it, but even for those who go and go go away and take some time out to think and, and do the reset, as you say, they can feel guilty for going ahead and doing it. So um, it's an interesting yeah. mindset in the way that we look at things for sure. Absolutely. Hey, if there was... Um, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what would that be? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I love the brain. Um, it, it actually would be around this area in promoting wellness within a team and organization, in particular brain health, uh, just because we refer to, we talk about, you know, warding off burnout and stress. It happens at a brain level. There's something called a brain reserve we all have it and if you think about you know what our capacity or inner resilience many have reached that capacity or have far gone it and they're the thing is they're trying to push harder and this is doing more harm and i think with this you know past year of the pandemic i think leaders and teams are recognizing the importance of managing their emotions, but also helping their employees manage theirs too, and how it's directly tied to their ability to be productive, communicate more clearly. So I believe that teams and leaders are going to be more open to promoting emotional and and brain wellness within an organization. Yeah, cool. So both, yep, go on. Yeah. And that's what I would love to see change just because I think that's going to um, help build empathy within teams, but also help leaders lead in a more authentic way when they realize that, you know, we bring ourselves into work. We don't necessarily, people think that they can leave themselves at home and not bring themselves into business it doesn't work that way. We're emotional creatures. And when we can give ourselves permission to acknowledge, yes, we have emotions, but we can manage them and leverage them in things that we do during the day. Yeah. So it's an, an interesting, something you just said there, which is really quite interesting because I, I, I agree with what you're saying. There's that a lot of those leaders are emotional and uh, how do they manage the emotions and the team's emotions that's interesting and then you said sometimes they leave themselves at home rather and they try to be something different at work what happens nowadays whereby with this pandemic a lot of people are having to work from home and when they're working from home they don't have that transition from the house to to the workplace so what do they do nowadays do they bring both themselves to to the to work i mean because it's it's at home anyhow. So, so how, are we seeing a difference in leaders by working at home more? Wow, that's an excellent question. I hadn't really thought about that. It's the way I would answer, and I might answer something different later. But them being at home, they have an opportunity to have certain morning routines in the morning to help them prepare for the day. Mm. I know for myself, I have a specific ritual. Like I... I do some reading, I do my exercise, 
protein and hydration are so vital for meetings just because they help you literally think more clearly. But I also have an environment around my desk that is, um, it's, it's more homey and pleasing. And let's say there's a difficult discussion. Lots of times I will look to that picture and it'll bring a calm feeling over me. So I think there's things that we can do to build the right environment for us while we're working from home that can make a big difference because it's easy to get zoomed out (laughs) by noon or sooner. And we need little things to give our brain a rest. Otherwise we have this emotional overspill or overflow from the meeting before the meeting we're in now, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does totally make sense. Yeah. So, Hey, listeners, uh, Barbara's just sharing here with us the fact that you may want to take some time out to actually set up your office or set up your wherever you are at home, work from home, an environment that's going to help you set up for success. And so uh, have a definitely have a look at that for sure, uh, which is great. Barbara, I think both of us have both been employees in the past and we, we know people who are employees today. How has employees' expectations of leaders changed? Yes. And and so I'm thinking of my business, but I'm also thinking of my husband's business and some of my clients on on how they're now working with their employees. I believe that employers now expect their leaders to give them more ownership and flexibility to work from home because of the pandemic. Before, they weren't so open to that. Some teleworked. But I think that's something that employers are um, embracing when their leaders give them that ownership and also more clarity of communication because as we know being face-to-face in a meeting in the same room is very different than being in a meeting virtually and a lot of things can be missed or misunderstood so having a process or more clarity of communication and everyone understanding what that is i think that's an expectation that employees have also greater flexibility to get work done just because a lot of us are experiencing the pandemic differently. There's a lot of loss. Um, so there's a lot of grief going on and uh, we could be you know, present in a Zoom room, but we could also be miles away. And so having flexibility to get things in, you know, when that's possible is helpful. And then greater em- empathy, I think, employees are really leaning on their leaders to have a greater understanding and being supportive with them. So working with them to create a plan has been helpful for many and also having more productive communication just to keep things going and having those quick touch-ins. Yeah, great. Okay, that's that's good. Some really good points here and um, definitely have, have that empathy and definitely have the touch points for sure. So what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Yeah, so so this may sound kind of counterintuitive. I was reading a study a couple of years ago. I can't remember the source, but they identified 34 traits of leaders that people admire or wish you know their boss had. And the number one trait that they wish they had. It wasn't like, you know, strategy or decision making. It was a centered leader. It was a leader who is steady and calm. And what they 
found out going into that deeper is someone who is steady and calm that leads, their team trusts them more. They're able to navigate. They're able to make decisions and see the big picture. Um, So a centered leader is able in a state of chaos to be able to rally people together, to show them which direction to shift. And here's what we're going to do. So I see that when we're able to move from making decisions out of fear into a state of calm and groundedness and using our intuition, we can really lean on those inner resources and skills that we have. Yeah, great. And I think the steady and calm leader uh, is one that can the team will trust. It's actually quite interesting to watch because at the moment here in uh, this part of the world in New Zealand, we've got the America's Cup happening and it's a yachting regatta. And of course, it's been won by, or, you know, more or less by the Americans for many, many years. Cool. And um, over the last sort of 20 or so years, 30 years, it's sort of been t- won by Australians and won by the Swiss, won by the New Zealanders a few times. And at the moment, we've got that happening, and we've got three syndicates who are racing at the moment in the thing called the Prada Cup, which is more or less the challenges of uh, racing against each other to find out who will be the challenger to race against the defender, which is Team New Zealand, right? And so the America's boat the other day capsized, and a lot of people were emotional. We thought, oh, that's it. They're over. They regret it. They're not going to come back from this. And so millions of dollars spent, but dreams and hopes of winning the America's Cup gone, the world sort of side things. But what's happened is that the syndicate boss is somebody who is steady and calm and has got the trust of the organization that they've now been able to take everything and turn it around and bounce back. And so what's happening is that we're about to see them come back onto the race course again I think on Thursday, possibly Friday this week, and it'll be wonderful to see. But it's a prime example of a leader, just based on what you're just saying there, who was centered, who was steady and calm, and was be able, able to, turn, to take the organization through that ambiguity, that adversity, and uh, and that change for sure. Oh, that's phenomenal. Wow. Hey, um, here's an interesting question for you, and that is... If I was to get you to get the crystal ball out and to start thinking about the future, where do you see leadership being in five years from now? Wow, I'd love to have that crystal ball. <laughs> so this is from Barbara's crystal ball. <laughs> May to be yep. different from yours. So I just see us leading more compassionately. We've all been through a lot. In fact, you know, whenever we go through something um, or, you know, walk through someone's shoes, we tend to have more compassion for that person and situations. And we've all gone through this pandemic together um, to some degree and another. And, and we have new, it's more of an inner eyes for each other. I see people more compassionately and I would love to see, and I believe that our leadership is going to be where we're, you know, leading more compassionately. We're more, we have more empathy And we're combining our forces and leading collaboratively. I've spoken to a lot of positive leaders who are overwhelmed and struggling. And the truth is we're all susceptible to negative impacts, especially prolonged negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all help each other find a way through this if we're open to that. And having leaders 
increase their emotional intelligence, you know, to their personal life and, and work life, they're going to have a greater awareness on how to manage things like emotions, you know, and communication and help their team out. Yeah, excellent. So leading more compassionately. Yeah, really good. So uh, we're seeing that more and more come through. Uh, with people and their leaders and their messaging and so forth. But I think people are more are demanding it more too and they're wanting it. So that's that's very good to see. Barbara, thank you for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get a hold of you, where should they go? Yes, super easy. Discovernextstep.com. There's no S at the end. It's just discovernextstep.com. Excellent. Well, we'll make sure that that's in the show notes. Uh, Barbara, once again, thank you for joining us on today's show. It's been great having you here. Thank you for having me, Dennis. Excellent. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true, it's change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, look out for the episodes as they've been released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. And uh, feel free to share them with your friends, your family, your network. Hey, if there's any any feedback you'd like to give me on the show or if there's any questions you'd like me to ask our guests as we interview them or if there's a question for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, don't forget to check out the Facebook group Leadership is Changing or if you're on LinkedIn, the page of Leadership is Changing. Once again, thanks for joining us on today's show. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 